listening to the HR Mixtape, your podcast with the perfect mix of practical advice, thought-provoking interviews, and stories that just hit different so that work doesn't have to feel, well, like work. Now, your host, Sherry Simpson. Joining me today is Thomas Carnahan. He is the manager of pay equity services at Berkshire Associates. Thomas is responsible for managing Berkshire's pay equity line of business by promoting the ability to conduct meaningful statistical analysis of clients' compensation data to ensure fair pay and in support of federal, state, and or local fair pay laws. With more than 15 years of experience in research methodology, data analysis, and HR process development, Thomas brings to Berkshire an advanced level data capabilities and extensive background that will serve to enhance all pay equity solutions. Thomas, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with me today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. So we're here to talk about AI, and I'd love if you would kind of define AI in the context of HR recruitment, and what are some of the specific ways you're currently seeing it applied by employers right now? So in a lot of ways, employers are looking for easier ways to identify who's going to be a successful candidate. Um, So there's a number of companies out there uh, that are you know, working towards automating a lot of that process. Uh, Some of them are are pretty complex uh, in the sense of we want to do a full job analysis. We want to understand, you know, what's necessary for success at the company so that we can review specific types of of things, LinkedIn profiles, only information provided by the candidate, et cetera, et cetera. A lot locked down all the way to they do just general Google searches and, right. and, and search everything. Um, and, and so, you know, the idea is that eventually it would replace people, um, recruiters who are searching that kind of information, identifying a, a pool of applicants and things like that, and, and going to more general, hey, we have this pool of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, and we'll use our software, our AI, to search that and identify people and make sure they'd be interested, right, in applying for your position. So it's really, in a lot of ways, taking this idea of somebody needs to even know you exist um, and know that that job is available, that they can be alerted that your profile meets, you know, this position, would you like to apply? Um, So it's, it's, you know, not not ready for Skynet yet, but um, it's definitely something that you know employers are are needing to be careful of the the boundaries that they would put on something like this because again, there are certain systems that you know they may discourage it as much as they say they do, but allow employers to search a wide range of information that is probably not job related and necessary for the employer to know. How do you see, you know, current or future legislation like EEOC and OFCCP um, impacting these kinds of technologies? Well, they're trying to now. You know, the EEOC just released their own guidance. Um, the OFCCP has, has commented on it quite a bit. Uh, SIOP, the Society of Industrial Organizational Psychologists, released their guidance. Um, it, it's it's. The more things change, the more they stay the same is the current, you know, governance around it. Uh, New York City's law is quite interesting. Um, it keeps getting pushed back. So I think we're talking July, but my guess is it'll be pushed back again. Um, but, you know, they're trying to say everything still applies. The the uniform guidelines, which, um, you know, I think 
everyone would agree needs to be updated in certain areas um, has defined how things that companies are using to select employees need to be evaluated. And this still applies, whether it's a recruitment tool, a selection tool, whether it's making the final decision or a human is involved in the final decision. Um, these things still need to be valid for, for what they are selecting, whether that's based on content or based upon performance. Um, so, you know, the EEOC is not really changing um, its mind on how an organization, you know, is ultimately responsible for ensuring. Uh, but it's it's a new arena of of the the how do we do this though? How do we do something that could be ever changing or changes every quarter or or something like that? Does it need to be validated again if its criteria of who it's looking for changes? Um, and, and there's also historical things. So people like myself and 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 Victoria Lipnick, who I'm speaking with here at the Sherm Conference, um, you know we. We have our concerns um, related to how these things are going to be used in the historical aspect of profiling, in the historical aspect of, you know, making sure that these AI tools are not learning bias in the sense of not what is legal standard, because I can easily define for, say, a performance management process when a performance management process is is biased against females versus males. I mean, we have clear standards of 1.96 standard deviation differences means this absolutely is biased, right? And then we got to figure out why. Is there actual performance differences that we've got documented and people would agree, wow, this was just a weird year? Um, or, but how much bias does a performance management system need to have to slowly train AI that women are worse than men? I mean, wow, there's, there's so much there. And I could see, you know, we keep talking about AI. I mean, with chat GPT coming on board and, you know, everybody's trying to learn how to use it and bias is a big thing. You know, what are, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of benefits, but what are some of the common concerns or risks that we should be thinking about as HR professionals when we, when we decide to implement, you know, AI tools or use AI tools? Well, keep in mind that it is kind of a misnomer that AI is objective. So just because a machine is doing it, it still needed to be programmed. It's still working on parameters that are based upon human decision making. And a lot of times, you know, its judgment is going to be cold. So how it learned is how it's going to push things forward. So a, a human involved in the process can look at something and see a trend because we still have that ability. AI, thankfully, is not at the point yet to where it's got human judgment and decision-making processes because uh, if it had, it, Skynet would be real. Um, but, you know, HR needs to keep in mind that this is a really cool thing, but it shouldn't be the answer potentially yet. Um, and to just buy it and let it go. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I'm seeing it in more spaces than just recruitment. Uh, you know, it's, it's in, it's in pure systems of being handed over of tell me who to hire. So not just who to recruit, but let me know my perfect candidate and I'll hire them. Um, there, there are people that are touting that they have AI in pay equity, which is interesting. Um, 
and scary. Um, and, 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 you know, it's, it's a huge buzz. And, and, and so I think when it comes to anything that is regulated, anything that has laws around it, we shouldn't shy away from new technologies and, and getting on board with them, but we should test them and, and ensure that we're not opening ourselves up to legal scrutiny by trying to save some time. Um, and, and just go with this idea of it makes a better decision because I, you know, I've not seen any research yet that indicates that AI makes a better decision than a human who's following correct processes. Now, right. a human that's not following correct processes, <laughs> sure, you know, right. because this is hopefully, and most of them have been, been programmed and, and had the help of professionals like IO psychologists and others to do that. What we don't know is what happens over a long length of time with using these kinds of things but we do know that you know the rogue manager the actual biased manager or whatever is going to make worse decisions than ai um, but we do something about that and that's the thing you know we we as hr professionals as companies are prepared that when we learn that somebody is a bad actor we promote them to customer we don't know yet whether or not ai is going to learn to be bad actors yeah it's interesting i had a conversation with um jennifer mcclure just recently and she does some work with the dod and and she was talking about ai and that you know there's all these professionals out there who are scared of it and she says the dod is trying to figure out how to use it so if they can figure out how to use it we as hr professionals can go down that road but all the things that you just said are things that we need to to consider you know you can't just throw all your eggs in one basket and, and completely discard all your years of your history and knowledge and experience that you bring to the table you know as hr professionals start to use these tools is there guidance out there already on how to um potentially assess different AI tools for bias or which ones are going to be better to use or not to use? Or is, there, is there enough data out there anyways for us to even do that yet? Well, I mean, we'll see because uh, what New York City is hoping to do is to make this kind of data publicly available so that it'll help employers um, and, and, you know, us in general just to be able to decide which ones are good and bad. But I don't, you know, there's no intent, you know, there, there's no bad intent. And I don't think there is good or bad right now. I, I think it's all if we were to think of it, it's it's all a beta test, and, and it's a it's a really cool thing, um, and it's just one of those things that we've got to take a step back. And and so if I was to give uh, non uh, research based, but my my opinion uh, on your question, I would say that use it as a tool parallel to how you would be doing it anyway. Do your own research study for two reasons. One, it is ultimately the employer's job to make sure that anything that they are using in the process of hiring or making employment decisions to make sure that it does not have disparate impact, period. It is the, you know, any, any company out there that says, we've proven our tools are valid, cool, but that doesn't mean they're valid for me. That doesn't mean they're valid for you. So it's, it's really important that that be done by the company. Um, and, and to also, you know, scrutinize if that company comes to you and says, and this is the exclusive partner we use for our validations that might raise some red flags, you know, be willing to reach out. And that's the people you want to make sure that you're comfortable with as well, working with not just the person, you know, your AI partner brings with you. The, the second thing is, is to 
run it parallel for a given amount of time. This is the decision the human would have made. This is the decision the AI made. And, and, and test that. Test to see if they're making similar decisions, if the AI is making better decisions, because every argument I hear from the company side, now from the AI side, and they're totally right, it's it could be a simpler process. It could say, you know, it could, it could eventually, if not right away, identify better candidates, people who are more successful, et cetera, et cetera. And those are great arguments. They need to be further tested, but I see why those arguments are the way they are. The flip side of that, though, is from a lot of company standpoints, it's about saving money and it's about, you know, making sure that they are making profit. Well, if one is not true, then the other one can't be true. If AI is making similar, slightly worse or way worse decisions, then you're having to hire more. You're having to you know, expend more in training, you're having to expend more in a lot of things. And now all these professionals that you had that for, for, you know, five, 10, 15 years that had all this organizational knowledge are gone. So before pulling the trigger on layoffs or restructures or things like that, you know, I think it's a validation for two reasons, a validation to make sure there's no disparity, but an actual validation to make sure that it's doing the things that you want it to do. And it's ethically replacing these people's jobs. Yeah. Have you seen any policies being written or any guidance being given to HR to distribute in their organizations on how to use AI tools? I guess what I'm thinking is, you know, because you can use them for a, a variety of things now, you know, you can, hey, here's my data, create a PowerPoint presentation for me. You have company data now that you may or may not be putting into an AI tool. Are you seeing new policies being created now around that? Uh, you know, some of the some of the major you know companies that have pulled in certain things have, have air gapped you know certain things, and they may update their version of ChatGPT or something like that for generative AI, so that their company secrets aren't just floating around out there because, you know, a PowerPoint or a white paper right? or something needed to be created. I don't think a lot of people have thought that through though, Yeah, you know, and I don't, I don't think a lot of people have thought through company secrets and putting these kinds of things in your own cloud or in your own environment. And then, you know, uh, somebody from shipping company A is creating something and ends up with shipping company B's, you know, proprietary yeah. information on how they do certain things, how they, you know, weigh their planes or whatever. So yeah, you know, I, I think there there's not as much guidance as there should be that I've seen. Um, you know, I think probably the IT space uh, individuals might have some more, but I have definitely in, in some of my contacts that work at, you know, major fortune fifties that are starting to use generative AI uh, have definitely put air gaps in between servers. Do you have any just generic recommendations? So if you're an HR professional listening and just heard what we just said, I, I could see the, the wheels turning in your head of like, Oh my gosh, how do I even start to address this in my organization? Do you have any tips? The only tip that I could say is make sure every piece of information that gets documented about candidates or even current employees or anything, performance management, talent management, succession planning, all of these kinds of things, make sure everything is professional. I, I have seen and been involved with a multitude of different like, you know, disparity analyses for, for performance management and things like that. And you'd be surprised what managers are willing to 
to use as documentation as to why I gave this person a two instead of a four. And it's, it's, it's highly inappropriate. Uh, it may be appropriate as a one-on-one -on -one to say, you know, this is the way I feel about this and we need to talk about this, but it's not appropriate for company documentation that may end up as a legal you know, kind of a situation and, and get read into court. But now we have these kinds of things potentially getting uploaded so that the AI system can learn. Um, and, it, and it, you know, keyword searches and different things like that may pull some things out. And I, I do have, you know, it, and it's interesting to think of it, you know, from the HR perspective, but also just from the privacy and security uh, perspective. As we continue to do this and as it continues to, seep itself into what information it can use to learn what boundaries does it have to use that information what boundaries does ai have to be able to 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 recreate um that that kind of thing um and so i think it's always been a priority for hr i know it's been a priority for legal when legal has to get involved um but it's it's more than just scrubbing comments to make sure you can't tell who it is because i've seen a lot of hr professionals for the engagement surveys and things like that we need to make sure that we neutralize these comments so the manager doesn't know which of their employees said this but it's a lot more than that it's the professionalism of the company it's it's the uh, you know, for lack of a better term, the cancel culture, the, you know, this or that, like if information were to get out, it not only bruises the integrity of the manager who made that inappropriate comment, but also the culture that empowered this person to feel like it was okay to put that on somebody's performance appraisal. Yeah. You know, so at the time of recording this, Apple just last week released uh, news about their VR headset and um, basically a virtual desktop. I'm curious your perspective. How do you see that kind of technology impacting the HR space and how could it potentially evolve? I mean, training is kind of, I think, the obvious one. What about interviews? What about, you know, you get a headset sent to your home and you interview that way, you know, is there already some chatter on, you know, how this technology is going to affect us in the future? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I think training is, of course, an easy, easy one. I, I know that, you know, the Navy, for example, and other parts of the DOD have, have gone to the point of using VR to train paratroopers and instead of having people, you know, success jump out of planes over and over and over again. Uh, and that's proven to be a, a valid experiment. Um, here's my thing though, and I'm gonna show my own bias as an IO psychologist. Interviews are bunk. Um, they, 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 they have great validity in the sense because we, we, we look at the, the interview and we look at eventual performance, but when it comes down to it, we got to ask ourselves a really big question. Are the people we're hiring the best person for the job based on an interview or are the people that we're hiring hired because they're good at interviewing? Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, the pandemic and this work from home craze uh, and, and everything, I think, has really helped interviews because I coach people to turn off your camera. Yeah, they're going to be they're probably going to be able to make, you know, pretty decent guesses as to your your gender based upon your name and your voice, but I mean, nothing quashes the unconscious bias more than not knowing what race a person is, you know, and, and not seeing the person and all this kind of stuff. And I see it on interviews all the time, like professionalism and demeanor and body language and stuff like that. And I, I 
I'd love anybody to show me how that's job related for for anything. I mean, if I was getting judged for my demeanor and and, and my body language, I mean, for the job that I do on a daily basis, I'd probably get fired uh, because we all have, you know, those moments um, and professional on camera, but then you hang up, you know, with the client or the coworker or whoever it was. And you just like, ah, and, and, and it's, it's just continues to be this strife that I have with the interview because it's, it's, there's no way to test her, uh, an interview's reliability. Yeah. There's no way, and validity is is clear because it's the last thing that you do. Yeah. So they've gone through multiple hurdles to show that they can do the job, and then it becomes a popularity contest at best. So I mean, yes, I I could see them being used, but but is that cheaper than bringing the person in? Yeah, for sure. You know, you mentioned the military and, and uh, this is our first time meeting in person. I have three active duty military sons. So um, I have a warm heart for the military. In fact, they are all Navy. Um, but I'm curious, you know, why have companies not adapted things like an ASVAB to use more often? I mean, that, that test and testing, you know, your ability to learn or your ability to be taught, wouldn't that be a more valuable tool? I think so. I'm just not sure if it would be the best tool for hiring. So, you know, one of the one of the things that we have to do is show that something is job related for the job that you want now, not necessarily for the career path that you might want to go down. So not not to kind of, you know, completely lean on the other countries that force you to make a test when you're six years old and then put you into either the track to go to medical and law, the track to go to college or the track to be a technical. But I do think there's a there's a lot more we could do for the development of employees. And so so doing something similar to what the what the military does to identify potential of a person once they get hired can can help. And I, I think it would help reduce bias as well. Um, you know, Colorado tried to, to do it as much as they could by saying no more shoulder tap promotions. Everything has to be open, has to be competitive. And that way they don't have managers anymore just out there going, hey, you know, my senior accountant's leaving of my accountant three job pools. I, I go you know, have a beer after work with Bill every week. So Bill gets the job just, you know, even though Bill not may not necessarily be the best person for the job, but nobody else got to compete for it. And a lot of times when we're talking about females and minorities, there's a huge gap there as to how much um, they've been encouraged and, and, and been talked about as, as terms of potential. If you go back to, to just like high school science classes, and it's still happening today, if a, if a, if a woman shows promise in AP calculus, AP biology, the teacher walks over and very genderist says, do you want to be a veterinarian? <laughs> do you love animals? Whereas, whereas a male showing the same prowess, it'd be like, oh, you should go to medical school. And so, you know, this is still happening today. These just these norms, quote unquote norms of how we we treat people with high potential. And so I I would highly encourage and so many companies out there. And I don't say this politically. I just I just say this as how the word is is to be used are very conservative in their L&D. They they don't. They, they still have this notion that if you want to be developed, you need to show me that you want to be developed. You need to come to me and, and give me opportunities that you want to do so that I can approve them or not approve them or something like that. We need to understand people's potential. Yeah, for sure. 
Wow, this was such a great conversation. I feel like we could stay on the podcast for hours, but um, really insightful on what's happening in AI, how, how we should think about it in recruiting and some guardrails we need to consider in HR. So thanks for taking a few minutes of your day to chat with me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find show notes and links at thehrmixtape.com. Come back often and please subscribe, rate, and review.